the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and on the broadcast today, I'll continue my visit with a member of Reasons for Hope. We heard from Carl Kirby, the president and founder. Today, one of the speakers, Frank Figueroa, as we continue our discussion about Christmas from a biblical worldview and looking at the book, Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For. It's a resource you can find at that website, r4h.com. So stay tuned to The Plumb Line. Support for The Plumb Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plumb Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. Hey, I'm with Michael Ross, the creator of Revelator Games. Michael, can you tell us why you developed this unique game? Sure. Let me just clarify something. So it's a small group Bible study activity with a board game element to it. I created the game because I myself personally delight in God's word, you know, through scripture memorization. So I created this game so that we can, one, memorize scripture, but also have fun while we're doing it. Mm, The Remain game and more, you can check out Mike's products at revelatorgames.com. Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plumb Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. Thanks for joining me for The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and we're going to continue our discussion here looking at this book, Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For, edited by Carl Kirby and Juan Valdez. And the chapters in the book are written by a number of different speakers for reasons for hope. One of those is Frank Figueroa, and Frank and I are going to discuss some of the chapters that he wrote. So welcome to the broadcast, Frank. Thank you for having me, Jay. Great yeah. to be here. And it's kind of appropriate there, the lead-in music, We Three Kings. <laughs> so that's what we're going to start discussing here. Were there really three kings or wise men that came to visit Jesus, and did they visit him when he was a baby in the manger yet, or what? Is there any truth to you know the stories that we hear? And so let's just begin with the fact about the three, first off. Why is this thought out there that there were three wise men? 
it has to be true, right? Because it's in a nativity. You know? So <laughs> it, it, it's kind of interesting because that's actually what led me to studying a lot of these things is that I was talking to a young man from our church. He's from Micronesia, and he had never seen a nativity before. And I found myself actually having to unexplain the nativity more than explain it. And so as far as the three, uh, we get that because there were three gifts that were being offered, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we have no idea how many wise men were there. We know that there were more than one because men is mentioned in the plural, but we don't know. There could have been two. There could have been 17. We have no idea. We know that often people like that traveled in an entourage. And so we have no actual clear concept as to how many people were actually there. And so as far as the number three, it's because of the three gifts that were given. Mm, And even if there were three gifts given, you could have had two wise men and one give two gifts and one give one, or you could have had more than that as far as wise men and just three gifts were given out of the total amount of wise men. We don't know. It's simply not laid out in the text for us. Mm. One thing we do have a pretty good idea on is the specific gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and likely reasons why those were the choices. Yes, we do have that pretty clear. We know that gold was given because he was a king, and therefore the idea of that. We do know also that frankincense and myrrh were both symbolic of, one was specifically because of his death, That's one of the scents that they would uh, anoint bodies with. And so the idea being that these gifts were given almost symbolic of some of the things that Jesus was going to go through in his life. Prophetically, God allowed these gifts to be what the wise men presented to him. Right. One of the other things that we can kind of discern from all of this is related to the fact that the crazy King Herod there had all of the baby boys put to death that were, what, under two years old. So that gives us a bit of an idea also as to, you know, was Jesus still a baby in the manger when they showed up or or what? Well, yeah, that's called the massacre of the innocents. And what's interesting is that the reason Herod declared that all baby boys two years and under be killed, is that Jesus was probably closer to two years old when the wise men visited him. In fact, it specifically says that they visited him in a house, not actually at the manger. And so the fact that they visited him at his house showed that this was long after his initial birth. And so most scholars believe that ultimately the reason the two years and uh, younger are given is because Jesus was probably two years or close to two years old when the wise men showed up at his house to offer him these gifts. Because it mentions that they found a young child. And and the reference there is actually Matthew 2.11, that they found him not as a baby, but as a young child. And they were at the house as they visited him. And so therefore, if Jesus was already a young boy, obviously that's why Herod decided on the age that he did to try and take out all the young boys up to that point. Mm, Boy, you're just really messing up our nativity sets here now, aren't you? (laughs) Absolutely. And and, and just another wrench in the system is if Mary had been given the gold, Mary and Joseph had been given the gold by the wise men in the stable when Jesus was born, 
she would have easily been able to afford the sacrifice that was required when she and, and Joseph ultimately consecrated Jesus to the Lord and when they presented him in the temple. But it says specifically that they weren't able to afford that gift, that they had to give the lesser gift of turtle doves because they couldn't afford the regular sacrifice. If they had received the gold by that point, they would have easily been able to present the proper sacrifice and not do the turtle doves. So we know that ultimately the timeline must be Jesus is born and laid in the manger in the stable. And then ultimately they go and they present him to the Lord and they offer their gift of the turtle doves being poor still. And then at a later point, probably closer to two years old, that's when they receive the gold frankincense and myrrh and are able to sustain financially in a way that they couldn't before. But if the chronology of those things are off, it presents a whole wrench to the Christmas nativity story that we currently know. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, it is unless they had put that gold in a Roth IRA, so it was tax-free for Jesus, you know, later on. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry, I couldn't resist that. Actually, I really super appreciate that note you brought up, because I had not even thought about that at all. That is an excellent addition to this. And so one other thing, too, I want to bring up, as long as we're destroying the nativity scene here, is that it may have not even been uh, a stable. Another of the chapters addresses the fact that maybe it was like a, a cave or something, huh? Correct. The idea is that ultimately they went to a different place. We don't know if there were animals present. We don't know exactly what the conditions. We do know that there was no room for them in an inn. But other than that, we don't know exactly where they stayed. And a lot of people had rooms that were adjacent to the house that were, I mean, what we would consider almost like a garage. And so was this an area that they kept animals in? Was this an actual stable? It could be, but we don't know. We just obviously have no idea. We do know that they laid him in an animal trough, but, you know, we always see there's a donkey and a few sheep and a cow, you know, was that actually what happened? We don't know. We do know that he was laid in a place that was used for feeding animals, but we don't know the exact room environment that he was in. Well, let's bring up another aspect of this story, too, that you write on in one of the chapters, because this fits in with the three wise men, and it's dealing with the Star of Bethlehem. Is that a real thing? Were they really guided by a star? Yes, and and I think the biggest thing to bring up is that star in what sense? Meaning, I do not believe that this was a natural phenomenon at all. And what I mean by that is, There are many who will try to say that this was a natural aligning of the planets and that, you know, as the planets aligned, it formed this one big bright star. And that's how they followed it to this destination where the star was, you know, hovering on the horizon and so forth. But we have a lot of problems with that. First of all, if it could have been a natural occurrence, then that leaves out room for the supernatural, which God clearly claims it was. Not only that, the star actually moved, which doesn't happen with regular stars, that it appeared, disappeared, and reappeared. All of these things cannot be explained by means of natural phenomenon. And so therefore, we have to bring into account the supernatural. And according to our most current scientific research, there was one and only one extraordinary conjunction around the time of Christ's birth 
somewhere in the year 2 BC, but that does nothing to explain how it disappeared and reappeared. Because when we have these aligning of the stars, as we see today, that clearly doesn't happen. And so, yes, I believe it was a real star that really moved. And in fact, I would go as far as to say it was probably similar to how the Lord would allow his glory to lead people because it led these specific people to where they specifically needed to be. And so it was a supernatural phenomenon that ultimately got the people to see where Jesus was going to be and and led them to that point. And when it needed to disappear to not allow Herod to find it, it disappeared. And when it needed to reappear to help them continue on their journey, it did that as well. So there's a lot of things in there that show that this is a star of some sort, but probably not the typical star like we we think of today. Mm, Right. I'm going to read a couple of verses that you bring up here as we wrap up this segment. And you referenced the fact that God led his people in the Old Testament. Exodus 13, 21 says that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And then in Matthew 2, 9, it says, When they, those wise men, heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was, clearly guiding them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, you can read a lot more about that. We won't talk about that anymore here, but uh, you can read about it in chapter 12 of Glad You Asked from Reasons for Hope, which is the book that we're discussing as we talk about Christmas from a biblical perspective on the plumb line today. And I'm so thankful to you for tuning in. We'll have a bit more with my guest Frank Figueroa in just a moment, so stay tuned and you can reach me and share your thoughts, comments about the broadcast at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Batt at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. I am so pleased to have Reasons for Hope as the national sponsor of The Plum Line. The mission of both of our ministries is to proclaim the gospel and to train people to look at every topic and issue from a biblical worldview. 
You can discover more about their many fabulous resources and their debunked video series or request one of the R4H speakers for your event or maybe attend an equipped youth retreat or rally all at r4h.com. To learn about the Plumline's partnership with Reasons for Hope, check out the blog postings at r4h.com, and you can find the Plumline station directory and podcast link at r4h.com slash theplumline. Be sure to leave a note saying thanks to Reasons for Hope for supporting the Plumline. You're tuned in to the Plumline. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, we are focused on Christmas and Talking about a book called Glad You Asked, put out by Reasons for Hope, answers to 12 tough questions about Christmas that you need answers for. And one of the speakers for Reasons for Hope who has written some chapters in the book is Frank Figueroa. He's my guest. And one of those chapters is dealing with the actual birth date of Jesus, which we obviously don't know or can't pinpoint. But we are quite certain that it was not December 25th. And so what can you say about that, Frank? Well, you have a one in 365 chance that it was December 25th, <laughs> obviously. But, um, yeah, no, it, it probably was not that date. In fact, the first Christmas that was celebrated on that date was in 336 AD by uh, the Roman Emperor Constantine. And basically what they did was they chose that date as a means to try and compete with some Druidic holidays. And since people were already getting together and it was near the time of the shortest day of the year, as far as the daytime, the sunlight being out, their thought was it would be something that represented hope and something that pushed people towards, you know, uh, the fact that the, the coldest part is about over and now we're moving into the warmth and, and, and new life and so forth. Uh, that was kind of the reason that that date was chosen. But we do know that there are some reasons that we can come up with that point towards possibly Jesus being born near the month of September. And that kind of uh, allows us as, as believers an opportunity to share with people why maybe December or the end of December would be a good thing to still recognize. What I mean by that is, if you were to read Luke's account, there was a decree that was given for everybody to be registered. Uh, cities usually took a census as to where their citizens were. But the idea is that Zacharias, he actually is serving in the temple at a particular time. He was a priest of the division of Abijah, according to Luke 1.5. And as a person who was a priest, he was there serving in the priesthood at that particular time. And something amazing happens. He's approached by an angel of the Lord. And he says to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. What's interesting is that he was serving in the temple when he was approached by Gabriel, the angel, told that his wife Elizabeth would actually conceive and have a son. And shortly after that, the angel Gabriel goes and he approaches Mary and tells her that she's going to be with child as well. When you start doing some of the math regarding all of these things, we know that the time of the priest of Abijah to serve in the temple was roughly between June 13th and June 19th. So if Elizabeth conceived shortly after Zacharias returned home, she would have been approximately six months pregnant around the end of December. And we know that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary during the six month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So if we assume that Mary became pregnant 
shortly after Gabriel's announcement to her, we potentially have Jesus being born sometime around September, late September, near the Feast of Tabernacles. And once again, this is all speculation, but I think historically we can line some of this up. What's super interesting, if that were the case, then Jesus was put within Mary as far as the incarnation taking place when when she was given to be with child at the end of December, which then gives us a reason to celebrate at the end of December, because after all, that is when life begins. Wow. And so although Jesus was probably not born at the end of December, and we have some reason to believe it could have been closer to the end of September, we do have a reason to celebrate at the end of December, if that's the case, because that's when Mary would have became with child, and uh, it would lead us to a great place to be able to share the gospel if we knew some of these truths, because these are things that people would find interesting. One of the biggest reasons critics give to not celebrate Christmas is, why would you do something when you don't even know when the date is? And although we don't know when the exact date is, why would we not take time to celebrate the life of the most significant person who ever walked the earth, who's none other than our creator and our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Yeah, exactly. And that's how I've always felt and most probably do is regardless of the dates, we should have a day, whatever one it is that we set aside to celebrate the birth of the Son of God. And so, yeah, and one other note to bring up on that is related to the shepherds, too. From what I understand, shepherds really wouldn't have been out in the fields in December, right? Probably not, because it, it, it's cold. And what we do have is a record of when sheep are in the field and when they bring them in to stable. And usually they're brought into stable in you know, fall when things start to get cold. And so once again, that's another validity that it was probably near the end of September because that would be a time when the sheep would still be out and nearing the time that they would come in for the colder winter months. And so there, there are a lot of things that go into this thought and idea, and I would recommend people look it up because once again, what we just said is speculation. And so we don't know for sure, but it is something that's absolutely interesting to look into. And with the right resources and a little bit of digging, we can come up with some things that I think would amaze us as far as still being able to worship near the same time and giving God the glory for the baby ultimately that was going to become our savior, the one who was going to go to the cross for our sins. Mm, Yeah, thank you. That's very interesting for me to think about as well. One last thing I want to bring up here, and let me highlight the fact that we're just kind of touching on some of the chapters in the book, Glad You Asked, and you can find this at r4h.com, letter R-F-O-R-H.com, the Reasons for Hope website. And so I do encourage people to pick this up because we're not going to have time to dig into this last thing very deeply that I want to bring up. There's a whole chapter, Do the Narratives of Jesus' Birth Contradict One Another? In other words, the accounts in the Gospels, Uh, You know, there are differences in those stories, and this seems like a super simple thing for me to explain, because any time two or three people tell a story, there's always going to be differences. We all have different perspectives. I think of that where, I don't know if it was like three blind men or something that they had, um, you know, describe an elephant. They, you know, they each touched a different part of the elephant, and so they all had different accounts of what an elephant was like or looked like. So it's kind of the same with this, I guess, in my mind, is that we 
all have a different perspective, maybe a different focus, but let me have you make a statement on that. Why are the accounts of Jesus' birth a little different? Once again, going back to a perspective and what they saw from their individual testimony standpoint, what they chose to brought out. Now, obviously, it's all directed by the Holy Spirit because he caused them to write what it is they would write. But I think it actually helps to show that the account is not contrived, that it's not something that is prefabricated. If, if we were in a court of law and the testimonies were exact, you would think there was cooperation and something fishy that went on in the telling of the story because no two people tell the exact same story in the exact same way. So you would believe that there was some conversation that went on behind the scenes that actually would lead to less believability rather than more. If you and I were talking face-to-face and someone walked in between us, I could say, well, he came from my right and walked towards my left. You would say the opposite because you were facing me, that he came from the left and walked towards your right. But both statements would be exactly true. And so once again, I think it's just taking into account the different perspectives and the fact that not everybody wrote all of each account. Some of them wrote parts of the account. Some of them wrote in greater detail. And so therefore, uh, I see no contradiction within what is presented to us within the Gospels, uh, within the Christmas narrative. And all of it is trustworthy because all of it is God-breathed because it's within his scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and again, the chapter seven of the book here, written by David Madsen, addresses this uh, more deeply than we have time to get into. And yet he does it uh, in a very excellent and succinct form. It's still not very long, but it hits uh, the points that are important uh, very nicely. And so you can check that out in the book. Glad you asked. Again, available from Reasons for Hope, r4h.com is the website. Well, Frank, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with me here. You and I got to discuss Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, together. And so it's been my pleasure. Melikalikimaka to all of you, and, and thank you once again for the opportunity. And if the holiday trend continues, I'll see you at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. And I appreciate you bringing in a little of that native Hawaiian there for us, too. So yeah. thank you so much. Frank Figueroa, my guest here on the Plum Line. And I do really appreciate uh, you tuning in. Hope that you have a very blessed Christmas. And thanks for taking part in the Plum Line. We'll see you next time on the Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.